0: Yeah, if, if you think that was a bit much, uh, put yourselves in their shoes, because they, I guarantee they're not listening to that type of music, but they have to go and practice it so much that it's in their brains all the time. So I appreciate you guys doing that. That was awesome. I think we should play the guitar like that more often, too. But that's just, that's just my thought, right? Yeah. Um, what in the world does that have to do with parenting? I decided to circle around back to this. I finally figured out what I was going to exactly do in January. So I decided to come back to this because uh, what I want to have a conversation about is how we, as a people, and thus kids, relate with technology and the impact that's currently having on our lives. Now, here's here's what's kind of funny. If you went out right now, and I know because I have, and you try to find, you do a Google search on is the technology usage that we're currently doing having any impact socially on kids, what you will find is this answer, no. It's it's all over the place, article after article after article. I kept clicking. I couldn't believe it. I, had, I just had a hard time processing this. But like so many articles said, listen, we've looked at the link. We've looked at the use of technology in a kid's life and the outcomes, and there's no difference. There's no difference. And then I noticed one thing. It's not a small thing in my opinion. They're all referencing one study. One study that looked at kids from 1998 and then looked at a batch of kids in 2010 and said, these kids in 2010 have had more experience with technology and we're not really seeing any differences in socialization, social skills, none of that's really showing up at all. Which got me thinking, it's time for a little trivia, right? Useless stuff that you'll never use in your life, but here we go, we're going to do it anyway. Because um, I got curious about this, and so I, I went and did the research, and I want to see if what you guys know. When did the iPhone debut? Do you guys know the year? Anybody yell it out? 2005? No, it's a little later than that. 2007, June 29th to be exact, 2007. And then I asked myself, okay, great, that's when it debuted, what Do we have any idea how quickly it was adopted? So I found this graph that kind of gives you the idea of how many units were sold. Look, it really doesn't even take off until the next decade. Okay? So I was like, okay, that's interesting. What about Facebook? When did it go public? It started with college students. It was private. Then he decided to go public. Do you know when that happened? Yell out your guess. 2008. It was 2006 is when it finally was opened up to the public, I found a graph that showed its growth over that period of time. Look, it it didn't even become a thing until it it got into the next decade. It started, it started winding up, but, but here's what happened. And then kids adopted it, and then kids left it. Like, so, I'm not sure, I'm not sure that's counted here. When did Twitter start? you guys know? Any guesses? 2006, July 15th, graph. I couldn't even find a graph that started back then, but by 2010, they had 50 million users worldwide. It's not very much. They were still hemorrhaging a lot of money, and it grew over time. What about YouTube? That's big. Everybody's on YouTube all the time, right? December 15th, what year? What? 2005. Did you guys know it was that early? 2005. Growth chart. Didn't really take off, wasn't really adopted by people for quite a long time. And then this is fun. When did Instagram launch? October 6, 2010. When did Snapchat launch? July 8, 2011. When did TikTok launch? (laughs) September 2016. Pinterest, you can get lost in that for days. Not me, but people do, right? When did it start? January 2010. And hopefully none of you know this. When did Tinder start? I'm just checking real quick. Okay, nobody flinched. All right. September 12, 2012. Now here's the question I have. I want to know, How all of these articles can speak with such confidence that the technology that we're interacting with is not having any impact in people's lives. When most of the technology that we currently use was not readily available, wasn't being adopted by large numbers of people, and some of it didn't even exist until 2010, How is it that you can write an article in 2019, 2020, 2021 and tell people it's no big deal, don't worry about how your kids interact with technology, it doesn't have any impact. And the reason they're doing that is because they're concerned that they can't speak with confidence without some fact to back it up. And the only fact they have is from a decade ago regarding a study. It's not about any of the technology that's currently being used. My problem when I see this is I don't buy it. And at the same time, I can't prove it. I can't can't bring you some wide grand study that says, listen, the way we're currently interacting with us is doing harm. Here's what I can do. I can find small sliver studies. I can find small sliver studies that have been done, like this one. In 2018, the National Institute of Health studied how screen time was affecting 8-year-olds and under. So this is one of those things where they do this blind stuff, right? They put some kids... Um, who aren't doing it, nobody knows who's doing what, and then they're measuring things to figure out who, what's happening in these kids' lives. And what they found was that kids who were exposed to screen time for two and a half hours a day, that is, that is not a lot, right? Two and a half hours a day had decreased IQ, um, lowered their inability to reason and think. They found... That if you allowed a, a young child under eight years old to have screen time that was seven hours a day, that it actually caused physical changes in the brain. It actually thinned out a lining in the brain, which led to even lower abilities of thinking and reasoning. Like genuine harm was happening coming to those kids. So, you, so we can do that. We, we can find stuff like that that's out there, but again, it's, it's not about all technological like all technology being used. It's just a sliver of it where you can go, "Hey, I probably should pay attention to this." But because I, I think um, this is being so widely adopted by so many people, I suspect there are other ways to measure it. The, pro- the problem is. They're just incidental. There's no study to back it up. But I, but I want you to see something, because I got curious about this, and I went and I looked up some other graphs. And I, I, know, um, I know it's not scientific. I get that. But I want you to think about this for just a little bit. I want you to think about, you saw the trajectory of those big four companies that people use on a regular basis in our world right now. You saw how that took off. I want to show you some graphs of some other things that are taking off in our culture right now. All right? I want to start with depression. I want to go to anxiety. This is anxiety for young kids. Go back to the other one. This is all, and then young kids. The elementary age kids grown in the last five. By the way, you're going to see all of these graphs tick off at 2017. They don't have anything past that where they are um, be able to put it on a graph like this. But if you go and read, if you're paying attention to any of the counseling stuff, any of the literature in colleges and in uh, counselors in high schools, all of this stuff is continuing on this trajectory. Suicide. And you're like, oh, that's not bad. No, that's, that's a doubling, that's a doubling of suicide for a whole bunch of different people. And, and by the way, if you look at the trend, it hasn't gone down and it's going up in almost every age category that exists right now that they track. All of this stuff is going off the charts. So can I say with confidence that these are connected? I can't. I can't. But I can point to them with a level of concern. And I can say, listen, if you, if you went and you talked to people who are interacting with kids, uh, go to the daycares, go to the schools, go to the counselors who are interacting with kids, you read the articles that they're writing right now, they are all sending out flashing red lights that something is terribly wrong. Like things are headed in the wrong direction. Now, if you're you're asking why why is this making it into a parenting series, I'll I'll tell you. I'm concerned about two big things. Never before in the history of man have we done such a big experiment on mankind. This, This stuff has been adopted quickly. It's fast. You saw how quick it went up. And the results are starting to roll in slowly. There's no mass studies. There's, no, there's little things. There's surveys. There's all kinds of different ways that you can get in information. But it looks like where we're headed is we connect with our technology almost more than we connect with each other, and it's having a pretty big impact in people's lives with no end to the trend line at this point, none seen I'm concerned because I think we're experimenting with our kids in a way that we are not going to like the outcomes if we're not more involved in exactly how this is playing out. I'm going to talk about maybe some things that I think we can do in a little bit. But there's another reason I'm concerned too because I think the future of the church is at stake in this as well. I want you to see this. Uh, Jesus was asked in Matthew chapter 22 what the greatest commandment was. And he responds by saying this in verse 37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He says, man, love God. It's the first and greatest commandment. He says that right afterwards in the next verse. And then unprompted, he, didn't, he wasn't asked this. He, nobody said, what's number one and number two? He just decided, I'm going to tell you what the second one is. And he said it this way, 39. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, a lot of people who've read this would boil this stuff down and say, listen, you've just gotten the formula for God's kingdom. Love God, love others. I, I want to focus on six words that happen here that I think get missed a lot. Right before he said, love your neighbor as yourself, he said this. And the second is like it. He's linking number one and number two, and he's saying they're alike in some way. And when you kind of dig into what all of that means, like what are you trying to communicate when you say they're like each other? What is the similarity? And there's a lot of different people who have a lot of different opinions. I think it's all fascinating stuff because here's, what's, here's what a lot of different theologians have said over time. That it means that we should have the same character and quality of love that we have towards God, towards other people. That we have, should have the same vigor and intensity. That we should have the same devotion and effort. Like this love for God that you have, there are some people who are really great at loving God, and they're terrible at loving other people. And in God's kingdom, that does not work. It doesn't add up for him. If you have a passionate love for God, it will come out of your life towards others in a way that's also dramatic. Your, your love will look the same as it does for God. This, this is what he's communicating here, and here's what I'm watching. I'm watching a whole kind of relationship with Technology that is starting to cut away at our ability to relate well with each other, which is at the very heart of us following God's kingdom. In fact, I would say it this directly. There is a risk that you could miss out on the purpose that God has for your life by becoming so distracted with something that you lose out on relating with others well. Like it... It's central to us. It it drives who we are and what we do and why we would do it. And I get it. I get it. I can't point to you and say there's a study that says we got to be really careful here. But I can tell you, I think Jesus would be concerned about depression, anxiety. I think he would be concerned about suicide. Now here's the thing. There are also surveys being done. These are different. These are, um, this is taking a group of people, large and wide, asking them similar questions and then kind of writing down, oh, they they have a similar kind of bent or feel on this. And people are reporting those. And there's one that's out there in a significant way. Again, lots and lots of surveys on this. Small little thing. And this is the question. I'm going to give you one, I'm going to give you one of the headlines on that. Um, can we go to the... Nope. Oh, I didn't, I didn't put it in. Doggone it. Um, I put it in the one that I forgot to send down this morning. I got it. It's on me, not them. Um, here it is. They are finding that the people who are reporting the most usage of technology to connect with each other, are also reporting the highest level of isolation and loneliness. That ought ought to mess with your head. Like, how is it that this thing was given to me as a tool to help me connect, to help me to be more engaged with people, is resulting in the opposite effect? See, I think... Jesus would be deeply concerned about that too. Because if our goal is to love our neighbors as ourselves, and the thing that we feel the most is isolation, how do you do that? How do you you pull that off? See, these are self-reported surveys. By the way, we've done one here. I found it very interesting. It's not scientific. I get that. I get it. I'm, I'm just trying to stack up some stuff to get you thinking. So Austin, our middle school guy, was invited to speak at Raiders for Christ over at Northridge. He asked a certain question and the response that he got, I think he was surprised by it. So he came to Waypoint Student Ministries on a Wednesday night and he asked the same question and he got the same response in both environments. He asked this question. How many of you believe that you're on your phones way too often. And he said, every kid with a phone raised their hand. That's great, right? They know the problem. They can solve it. They know it's an issue. If it were only that simple, right? We got Thanksgiving coming up. How many of you know that you're going to eat more than you should at Thanksgiving? <laughs> yeah. How many of you are going to be able to stop it? No, I'm probably, like, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do, but I really like that food, and I like hanging out with people, and so, I, like, I know it. But creating a boundary, that's different. No, that's a legitimate concern right there. <laughs> he said a warning for his Thanksgiving meal. That's what he's going to do to stop it. It's going to go off. He's going to put down the food, push away the plate, He'll be good. That's not going to work for me. I'm going to eat still. But there is a difference between knowing and doing. And and I do believe, I do believe students are aware of this far more than you realize. It's just that they might not have the capacity to get in there and solve it without your help. Uh, I, I found another survey, again, These are students um, who were asked a question about technology. I think the group was called... You can go ahead and put that slide up that I had you put up too early. Um, Tomorrow's Changemakers was the group. They surveyed a whole load of high school students and a big, big chunk of 10th graders. And they asked for just... Can you just kind of self-diagnose what you see happening with technology out there? And they... And they then they listed the top ten, starting with the, like the one that was mentioned the most by these high school students. Lacks emotional connection. It's concerning, right? If you're supposed to love others with the same intensity that you love God, with your whole soul, but it doesn't have any emotional connections, how do you do that? It gives people license to be hurtful. No joke. Go on Facebook. Decreases face to face communication. One of them said this conveys an inauthentic expression of feelings. Um, Actually, a bunch of them did, but this is what one of them actually said. I just found this fascinating. I want you to see this. Social media conversations today are filled with ha-ha, LOL, and other explanations that are meant to represent laughter. This shorthand has become second nature and is often used when the sender is not even smiling, much less laughing in real life. If we are so willing to replace the act of laughing that honestly we all love with an artificial type representation that doesn't even bring the same joy what else would be potentially subconsciously willing to exchange? A 10th grader! You know what I thought when I read this? That happens in real life too. But you can feel it and you know it. And when somebody's being fake with you, do you like it and accept it? We do not. We don't hang out with it. And yet, it's just become the way we've kind of embraced these interactions. You really don't know what somebody's thinking on the other line. You assign feelings and images to it. There's so much misunderstanding that takes place. There's more. They said it diminishes understanding and thoughtfulness. Remember, these are 10th graders. Face-to-face feels disconnected. When we finally actually are together, we don't feel like we can actually have a conversation it facilitates laziness. He said, it's really easy to spend hours doing nothing. It's a fantastic way to waste time. Anybody who spent a day binge watching Netflix knows this to be true. Don't get uncomfortable in your seats. We've all done it, right? He said, it skews your self-image. It reduces family closeness. They agreed with this. The one, um, go ahead and put up the next sentence. Texting, Facebook, Twitter, and Gmail alienate us from our families more than we actually think it does. When my family is spending time together and watching a movie, in reality, my brother and I are on the phones rather than actually watching the movie with our parents. I am going to get in so much trouble with my wife after she sees that. Because I can watch the TV, have my computer on, and check my phone all at the same time. And my wife will say, can you not see that I'm in the room right now? And I'll say, yeah, you're in the way of the TV. Could you move? Right? I've found this gets me in trouble. And rightly so. I, I'm, I'm using this stuff. It would be easy to say, Blair, I think you're just a biased guy who's writing this all off. And there is probably some bias. That's, that's why you want a scientific study. That's why you want to find a way to unwind all of that stuff out of there. But I use this stuff every day in my life, too. The last one they put on the list was it causes distractions. It just causes us to be distracted. These are kids who are self-diagnosing. They've looked around. They've looked around this situation. They said, this is not good for me, but I'm not really sure what to do. And that's the part that's really hard. What are, what are you supposed to do? There's no one size fits all. There's, all the kids don't respond the same way to all this stuff. Even you don't. So how do you figure out what to do? I, I suppose there are a few things that we could figure out pretty easily. Like if, if you have a kid who's under eight, Don't let them watch more than two and a half hours of screen time. It's messing them up. You're like, man, that would take up a lot of my time. It doesn't have to. I don't know if you ever heard this when you were growing up, but I heard this all the time. everybody know what I'm about to say? Go outside, right? I heard that all the time. It's like, yeah, but I'm going to be bored out there. Not her problem. That was not her problem. That was my problem to solve. And, and that's kind of what you got to do. you got to g- help them figure out how to go do that kind of stuff. And why would we do that? Because we know. We know that it does damage. And though I can't point a study out to you, I can show you all the other results, all the cascading effects that are happening in society. I can show you stuff from surveys from their own lips that this is happening And I'm telling you right now, you have been put in a place of honor by God. You're you're a parent who is facing a world that you have not seen before, that none of us recognize. It's different. And if you don't find a way to get involved and have conversations with them, because they know what's happening... If you don't talk to them about what is going on in their lives and where potential boundaries should be and you figure that out together, you are not going to like where this ends up going in their lives because all the data is headed in the wrong direction and it is picking up speed. And a lot of this got blamed on the pandemic. I do think it sped it up. I think the added isolation of that caused a lot of problems This stuff was spring-loaded before that. Don't kid yourself, and it's not going to go away anytime soon. So if that means having a conversation to say, listen, we both know this is a problem. We both know this is a concern. What do we do to solve it? We start doing meals where we literally turn off our phone for an hour and a half, and we just chill. Like, we make some zones where we're going to disconnect, Completely. We're not going to use any of this technology, and we're just going to go face-to-face. Can we, are, are there days where we could do that? I don't know. The boundaries have to be figured out together, you and them. If they're a young kid, don't let them help you figure out the boundary. You figure out the boundary. Do it for their protection. But this stuff, this need to be liked... This need to be followed and known, and maybe I'll get my break and go viral and finally be somebody. It is damaging to the soul. It is harming their ability to relate. And if you pay attention, by the way, I went and I made a, just a list. If you're hoping for your kid to love others well in the future... People who are working with kids are noting that there are certain skills that they seem to be lacking or are going away. And these, these seem very simple. But you could help with this. The ability to meet people is going away. They don't know when to talk and when to listen. They don't know how to act when somebody wrongs them. They don't know how to respond to criticism. They don't know how to deal with their own anger. They don't know how to function in a group. They've lost the ability to relate to authority. These are all kind of soft social skills that are taught in the process of living with people. People. And right now, we have so connected with our devices that our ability to connect with people is causing diminishing returns on our ability to actually have genuine connections with people. I know, I can't prove it, but I can tell you what, I'm not going to believe a study from 2010, because the world has changed since then dramatically. And if you want to know what's happening, you can go look up the same stuff that I did. It's serious out there. And parents, we need you off the sideline. You need to have these conversations. You need to decide what kind of boundaries that you're going to put up for the safety of your kids and their future. You need to decide, how am I going to find a way to help them interact? Maybe have friends over more often so they actually see each other face to face go old school and call play date for the young ones so that they're not simply just getting used to the technology but they're still interacting with people again i don't know it's not one size fits all but something different has to be done versus the way that we're going because it's not going well it's not going well we're in the midst of a grand experiment on the psyches of people. And you were made for relationships. You were made to passionately love God. You were made to passionately love people. That's who you are. This is what we do. And if we lose that and we end up with isolation as the main definition for how we feel or how we view the world, our ability to be the church is going to be snuffed out. It's not our ability to text, to use devices that will define who we are in the next decade. It will be how well we love each other. And we're going to have to figure out boundaries that are going to allow us to do that. Even I am. I'm in the midst of it right now. I'm evaluating all kinds of different things in my life and I'm looking at some very difficult decisions about what I think I'm going to have to put up as boundaries so I can stay healthy. I'm inviting you into that too. Get into that discussion with your families. Get into that discussion with each other. Figure out what you have to do to help develop healthy relationships in the lives of the people around you. It's a big deal. Will you pray with me? Uh, God, you created the... You created our ability to, to make technology... I don't think you're opposed to it. I don't, I don't think it fits into a category where it's just evil. But it seems like everything in life, if we go too far to one side of it, if there's excess, it can cause damage. And it's so easy to do that because this, the stuff... And I'm walking around with it in my back pocket. It goes with me everywhere. The ability to be distracted is there all the time. Distracted from relationships, distracted from my own wife. God, what you care about is that we would love you with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul. But you want us to love each other that way too. You want us to be fully in. And God, in order for us to do that, we're going to have to make some tough decisions about what runs our lives, what guides and directs us. We want that to be a loving God who passionately gave himself for us. We want that to be the driver and not these notifications and dings and bells that seem to have a scramble and divide our attention constantly god will you give us the courage to enter into these conversations to figure out where the boundaries need to go up because we all know we know it's too much we need wisdom and coming up with smart ideas to build fences to protect us all. Give us the courage to do the work. In Jesus' name, amen.